Good evening, Saints, Family Church, Waterlooville. I know you're out there, so um, we do this by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Isn't that funny? Um, this YouTube stuff, you know, I just believe you're out there somewhere. And uh, we're just going to give it a few minutes, allow just a couple of minutes, not too long, um, because, well, because we are on time and um, but anyway so I'm just gonna hang around and um, talk about the weather we had hail here today um, we had a lot of rain and some hail uh, but I just love this time of the year I just love autumn I love the four seasons that we get in the UK it's just beautiful South Africa we have one it's hot it's hot and it's very hot actually Johannesburg, parts of, jo parts of South Africa, it gets quite cold, but for just a short period of time, really. Um, but I'm enjoying this autumn season. It's really great. Love this, love this weather. And didn't you just love the word of God this morning from Pastor Andy talking about the good shepherd, the good shepherd, which ties in beautifully with um, the fruit of the spirit. We're going to talk about goodness tonight. So, um, yeah, he sort of lays a really lovely foundation for all of us on a Sunday night to just climb in on the back of that. So we're, gonna, we're just going to get started, okay? So if you've got your Bible ready, by now, your page should be worn and the ink should be smudging around about Galatians 5 verse 22. Um, that's what happens when you use it that particular scripture all the time, you know, the, the ink on the page starts smudging and it's lovely. And Galatians 5.22 says, and I know you can quote this, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control and then the, the, um, Paul says against such there is no law there is no law what a statement mm. there is no law there is no law against love there's no law um, uh, something happened to my YouTube connection there I got a little error message but I've never abiding in the vine remember he is the vine we are the branches and we are the branches that's where the fruit is born on the branches and as a result of us abiding in the vine remaining in him we bear this fruit of goodness goodness so i'm going to throw a little greek word at you i just hope i can get the pronunciation right byron i need your help with some greek okay but the greek word for goodness is agathosune Agathosune. Look at your neighbor and repeat that word to them. Agathosune. Come on. Agathos. Are you laughing at my Greek? Now you try it. Agathosune. Anyway, what it actually means is uprightness of heart and life, excellence in operation, and intrinsic goodness and virtue. And you know what's so in interesting about this word? Agathosune is that it is a biblical word and it doesn't appear in any secular Greek writings. 
You will not find this word agathosune in any secular Greek writings. So this word is referring to the goodness of God. And we as believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and we have this goodness of God in us. It's not a secular goodness. We're not talking about being a good person, okay? It's not about, you know, serving on the cat and rabbit rescue uh, trustee board on a weekly basis. Okay, I just had to throw that in about the cat and rabbit rescue. I love cats and I love rabbits. I've got nothing against them. But just serving the cat and rabbit rescue or the donkey sanctuary, it doesn't make you good. We're talking about agathosune, the goodness of of God. And a few weeks ago, we read this exact same scripture in Exodus 34, uh, verses 5 and 6. It's when God appears to Moses and declares who he is, who God is. He proclaims his character of who he is. He's descended in a cloud. God descended in a cloud and stood before Moses and said, the Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin, abounding in goodness. God is abounding in goodness. His goodness, his truth, his mercy is abundant. It is limitless. I'm going to rattle off a few scriptures. Just write them down and go back during the week and just go and read some of these scriptures. They are hundreds, thousands of references to, to God's goodness. But I'm just going to give you a four or five of them, okay, for tonight, because just because of time. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. God's goodness, his mercy, his truth is everlasting. Psalm 33 verses 4 and 5 says, For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Man, slap your neighbor up the side of the head and tell them, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. I don't think it can be any clearer. I don't think we, I could, we could sit here all night reading scripture after scripture. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9. It says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit of the Spirit, we're talking, the subject is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, 
righteousness and truth. It's the good, the right, and the truth. And these three aspects, goodness, righteousness, and truth, they're inseparable. You can't separate them. God's goodness is associated with his righteousness. His goodness is associated with truth. That's who God is. That is the goodness of God. So when we're talking about God's righteousness as well, we're talking about his uprightness, his integrity, his excellence. That's who God is. He's a God of integrity. He's a God of, of excellence. Oh man, he's an upright God. And the goodness of God, though, cares enough, loves us enough to tell us the truth. He tells us the truth, but he always does it with mercy because his motivation is always right. Remember, all the ways of God are mercy and truth. God never just hits you with truth, truth. You know what? Truth, too much truth, it's hard, but he always softens it. It's like that double-edged sword. He comes with truth, but he comes with mercy. And why is that? That God confronts us at times with, he disciplines us. Because he loves us. And I was thinking about this earlier this afternoon. You know what? I remember growing up, my father would discipline us. He would discipline me if I wanted to go and put my fingers into the light socket. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he discipline me? Because he loved me. He didn't want me to try and, you know, try out the, the current in the, in the wall. Because he disciplined me because he loved me. And that's what God does. He disciplines those whom he loves, and he disciplines us with truth. He doesn't discipline us with hardship, with difficulty. He disciplines us with truth. Listen to what Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6 from the Passion Translation says. It says, My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God, or get depressed when he has to correct you. Yes, you know, sometimes I think, God, can't you pick on someone else? Because it always feels like he's picking on me sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't let me get away with anything. But it's because he loves me. So he, and so it's no good getting depressed. It's no good getting mad at him. He, he, he loves me. So, he, you know, he wants to correct me. And he says, it carries on, it says, For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. So when God corrects us, when he chastises us, when he disciplines us, it's always done with mercy and truth. And it's always for our benefit. What I love about God, there's no darkness in him. There's no shadows in him. In Ephesians 5, that scripture we, led, we read earlier, it says, walk as children of light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And God's goodness isn't also just about what he does. You know, we so frequently come to God with our prayer list, with, Lord, I need this, I need that. Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's, God's goodness isn't just about him meeting all my needs and, um, you know, doing all nice, pleasant things for me and providing for me. 
It's about his goodness. It's about his mercy. It's about his integrity. This is who God is. It's about his honesty, his uprightness. It's who he is. So when we're talking about goodness, biblical goodness, God's goodness, that agathosune, it cannot be separated from righteousness, from truth, and mercy. I don't know how many of you will remember the day you got born again. Remember, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us. It's the goodness of God that God us saved. Romans 2 verse 4 says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Remember Chris spoke on last week, that word goodness in that context actually means kindness. The kindness of God. And Chris spoke on it last week. If you didn't if you haven't listened to it, I'd recommend you go back and listen on YouTube to Chris's message last week on the kindness of God. And he spoke about how God's kindness is fit for purpose. It's fit for purpose. It's tailor-made. You know what? I remember the day I got saved. I know I tell you all the time, but I remember the day I got saved. And I think it's so incredible that I went into that particular church on that particular day and I heard that particular message and it resonated with me for the rest of my life. That's God's kindness. That's God's kindness. He knew how to get through to me and he knew how to get through to you. He knew what you had need of and that's God's kindness. That's God's goodness. That's being fit for purpose. God's goodness is applicable in your life and in mine. And his goodness has a purpose. His good, it's us. It's our salvation. Listen to what the Amplified, I'll just read you the tail end of what the Amplified of Romans 2, 4 says. It says, it leads you to repentance. That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking. How many of, you, how many of us, your thinking has changed since you gave your heart to the Lord? The message paraphrase, listen to what it says. It says, God is kind, but he's not soft. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads, leads us into a radical life change. That's what God, that's what he does to us. The, the Passion Translation says, don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. That's important. Eh? Let's not take his tolerance, his long-suffering, but let's not, realize, not think that that's just his acceptance. He's not blinking at sin. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. And throughout in Romans chapter 2, um, Paul talks about two different types of people. He talks about those that receive the goodness of God. And you can read about them, that they are the stubborn, they're self-seeking, and they have hard hearts. But also later in Romans chapter 2, it's those whose hearts have melted. Those who have heard the word. Those that have responded to the love of God. Remember, God knows how to get through to us. He knows what we have need of. So the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, these all reveal God's goodness. And when we think about and we want to meditate on just any one of the aspects of the character of God. You just think about the love of God. The love of God is his goodness. The joy of God, the joy of the Spirit reveals God's goodness. The peace that God gives us reveals his goodness. So we're going to look at, 
how God's goodness actually impacts us as a believer. How is it displayed as a believer? How is it displayed in our lives? This goodness, this uprightness of heart and life, this excellence in operation, what's it look like? Well, I believe that there are two aspects of goodness in a believer's life. There's inward and outward. There's inward and outward. Inward goodness is based on the goodness of the believer's heart and motives. I'm not speaking about a secular kind of goodness. I'm not talking about the cat and rabbit rescue, okay? We're talking about the goodness of God that is in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit has placed within us. And as we abide in Him, as we, um, as we co cooperate with the Holy Spirit, this fruit manifests. So we're talking about inward goodness, which is based on the goodness of the believer's heart and motive. And then there's an outer goodness, which is conduct, which is based on the condition of our heart. So first of all, inward goodness. If you look, Matthew 12, 35, a fantastic scripture. I'm just going to read it to you quickly for time's sake. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things a good man an agathos out of the good treasure agathos of his heart brings forth good things agathos and an evil man brings forth evil treasure that word treasure means deposit so what are you depositing in your heart? And interestingly enough, both the good man and the evil man both have treasure. They've both made deposits. That's why it's so important to guard your heart. It's so important to guard your heart. We touch on this, I think, every week. Every week, it's, it always comes up. It's so important to guard our hearts. And we're just going to look at an account in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. It's the account of the rich young ruler. So I'll give you two seconds to get there. Mark chapter 10, 17 to 22. Are you there? Yes? Okay, I'll read it. Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus, a person came running. It says one came running. That's not the royal one. You know, that is one, a rich young ruler came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? In fact, in Matthew's account, this guy says, Good teacher, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? And we know there's nothing we can do to help us to, to, to receive eternal life. But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. No one is good but God. There's no one righteous. No, not one, as the Bible says. But Jesus wasn't denying his own goodness here, but he's rather emphasizing his own godness. But Jesus goes on and says to him, you know the commandments, do not commit a uh, adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He quotes six of the Ten Commandments. 
And this rich young ruler answers and says to him, but teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. I mean, he is actually young, but anyway. Um, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure. There's that word treasure again, that you'll have deposit in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And look what the guy did. He's, he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I just want to put it to you. He might have had great possessions, but I actually believe that the great possessions had him. And that was the problem. Jesus, the, the commandments that Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, he named six. Those six all related to man's relationship with man. He didn't quote the other four where it's um, those commandments that relate to man's relationship with God. But, he, but Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't, he didn't criticize him. He just looked at him and said, one thing you lack, because this guy's heart was set on his riches. One thing you lack. So Jesus isn't about us. He's not against us having stuff. But be careful if stuff has you. He says, one thing you lack. And this just reminded me of the account of when Jesus goes to visit Mary and Martha. And um, Martha is in the kitchen. She's preparing a meal. But the Bible says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. And then Martha came through and said, you know, Lord, don't you, don't you care that my sister's just left me to carry on and do all the work here? And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. He has to repeat her name twice. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part and it will not be taken away from her. One thing is needed. That rich young ruler, Jesus said, one thing is lacking. It's not about keeping six, four or ten of the commandments. Mary did the one thing, the one thing that was needed. Love God. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha wasn't evil because of her serving. You know, she's not, I'm not comparing her to the, to the, to the evil person who, who, who um, deposits evil. But she wasn't evil because of her much serving, but she was distracted. She was torn in many directions when only one thing is needed. And that's to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. And Christian, I know that we've been in lockdown and um, we haven't been gathering face to face. But I just want to encourage you, don't get so busy with the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. Don't get so busy with the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 you should be able to quote this. I know you do. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, agathos, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved for good works. We are saved for good works. Jesus, it says that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has put good works for us. It's not just for us, for our hearts, for our character, for our minds, for our attitudes, but our good works and our conduct, which will display his goodness, his kindness to a lost and dying world. We have work to be done. I'm so glad Pastor Andy is bringing out this book, Soul Winner. There is work to be done. So that was first my first introduction. That was my first point was inward goodness. We're going to touch now on outward goodness. And I believe, like that scripture says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. So there's got to be an outward goodness uh, as, as a believer um, responds to God. And as God starts working on us from the inside out, there's got to be an outward working in our lives. James chapter 2, he says, faith without works is dead. You know, we're not a bless me club. We're not here, you know, you light my light, I light your light, we all light each other's lights. No, bless us for and no more. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. Faith without works is dead. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. There's got to be an outward working in our lives of the goodness of God in our hearts. Listen to what it says in um, Titus 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, in all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works and sound speech that cannot be condemned. A pattern of good works and sound speech. I believe that the outward goodness of a believer is displayed in two ways. Good works and words. Our words and our works. It's a pattern. It's to be a pattern. It's to be a lifestyle. You know what? I won't mention the post office, but there is a post office nearby where we live right now. And at times I used to go in there occasionally. I would try and make it very infrequent. There was this lady who worked in the post office. She was the most grumpiest, scary lady that I would walk in there in fear and trembling. Like, I'm sorry to bother you, but please could you sell me some stamps and sort of see what her response is going to be you know what I'm saying because she was so inconsistent and then if she was in a good mood it'd be phew oh you know that was that was a relief that wasn't such a bad experience after all she was having a good day but no this is for us it's to be a pattern of good words and good works okay so first and foremost words Ephesians 4 says Verses 29 to 31, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. And the writer there, Paul, he goes on, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, clamor, anger, evil speaking be put away from you. And in case you've forgotten, with all malice. So anything bad, get rid of it. Don't say it. Zip the lip. Okay. And let's just get rid of that evil speaking, that corrupt communication. Let's guard our hearts and let's, re- and let's, let's replace the words that come, 
the words that come out of our mouth, words that encourage, words that build up, words that edify one another. We always cover this. We will always speak about the words that we speak. But So we've, we've focused on that a lot in the past. I'm just going to move on to the second point is works. So outward is word and works. And what better parable? I know you're already there in your Bibles. You're right ahead already. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37, the parable of the good Samaritan. Well done. So I'm going to read it. It says, Jesus speaking says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I mean, my word, that is shocking. And by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. <coughs> on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbour to him who fell among thieves? And the guy that he was speaking to said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So in this parable, this guy that was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho, we're assuming he's a Jew. We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't say. But he's coming from Jerusalem to, to Jericho. But he fell among thieves. They, just, they stripped him and they beat him. They left him there for half dead. And the two people that came past, the two people that you would have expected them to have come, to have had compassion, to have had love, to have had these the fruit of the Spirit in them at least, in some form of display. But they crossed to the other side of the road and the Samaritan came along. It's some, a Samaritan is somebody that the Jews uh, would avoid because they classified them as half-breeds because they had married outside they had married non-jews and um but this samaritan stopped to help this person and this samaritan gave of three things he gave of his substance he gave of his time his talent and his treasure his time his talent and his treasure there were these three different people the levite the priest and the samaritan that were walking, that were journeying along this road. I don't know what direction the Samaritan guy was coming from, but there were three of them, and only one in three stopped. And yet all three of them had the same amount of hours, they had the same amount of journeying, and yet only one in three stopped to help him. Not only did the Samaritan guy help him, but he spent the night with him, at the inn, taking care of him, because the Bible says that on the next day when he departed, 
So the Samaritan spent a lot of time with this guy. So he spent time with him. Talent. I don't know what the Samaritan did for work, but he strikes me as being one of these organized people. You know what? When Chris and I go on any kind of trip, um, just for a go for a drive, we go for a picnic or something like that, we always make sure we take a first aid kit. I don't know why. It's, it's our thing in our family. We take a first aid kit. And this guy, I think the Samaritan did the same thing because it says that he, carried, he bandaged this guy's wounds. So he, 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 he used what abilities he had. He was able to bandage this man's wounds. And he poured on wine. That wine would have been a disinfectant, would have killed any germs. And then he soothed it with, with the oil to soothe the pain. He was so thorough in taking care of this man. And he did all he could. Then he put him on his animal and took him to an inn to, and continued to take care of him overnight. So much compassion, so much care. We don't know if this injured guy was a Jew, whether he was a Gentile, whether he was a Samaritan, and yet this man's race or religion was of no relevance to the Samaritan. He just had compassion for mankind, and he reached out and helped him. So we see he spent time, talent. The last thing was his treasure. He, he paid for the scar. He paid for his keep. He gave them two denarii. It doesn't sound like much, but actually that is equivalent to, 20, to feeding 25 people. That's how much that is worth, was worth in those days. Or it would be equivalent to three weeks' stay in this inn. And on top of all that, he promised to pay any other expenses that might have arisen in this guy's recovery. This guy was extravagant. He was kind. He was generous with his time, his talent, and his treasure. And Jesus' response to this parable, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You know what? An outworking of goodness, an outworking of God's goodness, his righteousness, his mercy, his truth, generosity. I love the fact that Family Church, one of our values is generosity. And we are a generous people. But we need to be generous people both inwards and outwards. Generous with our hearts. Generous with our words. Generous with our, with our works. Generous with our time, our talent, our treasure. Psalm 37 says, the righteous shows mercy and gives. And that's what that Samaritan, the good Samaritan, the Agathos Samaritan did. He shows mercy and gives. We are the righteous. As Christians, we are the righteous. Not only in terms of we are in right standing with God, but we are righteous people. We have the goodness of God in us. We are people of integrity People of honesty, upright in heart, upright in life, a people of excellence. That's what God is. He's an excellent God. Excellence, not perfectionism. Okay, perfectionists 
perfectionism seeks to please man. But excellence seeks to please God. And with, with that comes promotion, comes favor. Just think of Daniel in, in, in Old Testament. Daniel was a man with an excellent spirit. God's spirit was upon him all throughout his life. Joseph. Man, I love Joseph. But what a man of excellence. Whether he was in the pit, whether he was in the prison, or whether he was in the palace, he had a spirit of excellence. He did what was right. He, did, he maintained his integrity. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. God was with him wherever he went. God is a good God. He abounds in goodness, in righteousness and truth. He abounds in it. His goodness is limitless. God's goodness is everlasting. God's goodness is abundant. And we have the fruit of the Spirit the result of God's presence in us, his goodness. We have God's goodness, not a secular goodness, God's goodness in us. We have that inward goodness, goodness of heart, goodness of character, goodness in motives. And as a result of this inward goodness, outward goodness, goodness in conduct, in words, in deeds, generous in words, Generous in works. Generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. So let's remain attached, grafted in the vine. Like, the, like, like John says in John 15, as we do, we will bear much fruit. I hope this has ministered to you today. I'll tell you what. I've enjoyed preparing it. I, I, I love just meditating on God's goodness. I just want to encourage you. God's goodness is in you. See yourself the way he sees you. Full of goodness. Limitless goodness. Abundant goodness. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.